0: I would define soul is that part of us is already connected to the vastness of the divinity of which we are part. So we are divine already. that spark is there. So whenever we feel we're connected to something bigger than ourselves, whenever we're all by the vastness of the nature, when we look at the star constellation at night, we had that feeling of vastness.
1: That's our soul. Hey, this is Achim Novak, executive coach and host of the My Fourth Act podcast. If life is a five-act play, how will you spend your fourth act? I have conversations with exceptional humans who have created bold and unexpected fourth acts. Listen and be inspired, and please rate us and subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on. Let's get started. I am so very happy to welcome Sam Yao and Sophie Romayas to the My Fourth Act podcast. Sam, I have known for a while, and Sophie, I just met. A few words about who Sam and Sophie are. Sam Yao is a retired business executive splitting his time between managing his investments and writing poetry. That sounds pretty good to me, Sam. Sam has reinvented his life several times from a six month baby on a refugee boat to a penniless student from a distant land to the CEO of a billion dollar corporation to the chairman of the iconic Esalen Institute in California. Now, Sophie Roméas is passionate about words and their ability to trigger emotions, memories, and thoughts. She lets them infuse her work as she guides people with her voice during meditation and hypnosis sessions. She was born in the French Alps, and in 2021, she wrote a French anthology with 12 incredible co-authors, titled under this title, J'ai Vécu, La Meme Chose Que Toi, which translates into I Too Lived It. Welcome, bienvenue.
2: Merci. (laughs) Thank you, Aitie.
1: It's so nice to have you here. Sam and Sophie have written a poetry together called Souls in Love, and February is often considered a special month of love. It has Valentine's Day. Before we get into this marvelous book, I'm always curious, I have a question for each one of you and I don't care in which order you answer it. Okay. But when you were young growing up, and I know you come from different parts of the world and you know how parents ask us, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? What were your thoughts about who you thought you would be when you grow up?
0: What I have been doing with my life Has very little to do what I wanted to do when I was young uh, as a child. But I do remember one thing that connects the past to what has happened. And that is, I read a book called A Pilgrimage, a Christian book. Mm -hmm. I have in my mind that life is a journey. I always wonder what the journey is about. And in my case, they appear to be there are multiple twists and turns. So I'm kind of looking back, and my job is to just see what's unfolding and go with the flow and, and reinvent myself when there's opportunity for me to just uh, to live a
1: fuller life. Thank you, Sam. What about you, Sophie?
2: Well, when I reflected about this question, it brought me back to, I think I was 13 years old. I was at school. We were having physical activities and I was watching people moving in this big room, you know, with kind of gymnastic. And, uh, and I was wishing one day I'd like to be a choreographer. So it wow. looks strange. Uh, of course, I met some, uh, some dance class as well. But having I mean, this idea was in me at that moment it was kind of surprising. And strangely enough, now that I'm working also with a tool named Systemic Constellations, we do study the movement of people on in a place, in a physical place, to uh, help to uh, move the perception of their place in the family, in the s- society as well. So that's the memory that came back to me, thanks to your question.
1: I live in, in the Miami area, and I have a whole bunch of friends who are very interested in family constellations, study family constellations. So what well, you mentioned immediately made me think of the people who I love in my life, who are really studying that. And the idea of motion and movement makes so much sense to me. If I understand it correctly, you two met in a workshop event at the Omega Institute, which is a a really well-known place for, I would say, advanced, sophisticated, spiritual exploration and human growth development. Did I get that right?
0: Oh, yeah, that's perfect. <laughs>
1: perfect. So yes. I have warned you, because in Souls in Love, at the beginning, you write poems about initially meeting each other. I'm going to read a little bit from something that you wrote, Sophie. It's a poem, the beginning of the book. You have no idea what I'm reading right now, so you're going to be <laughs> very surprised. But these, are, these are your words. And then I would invite you to reflect on on what they mean to you today as you and Sam have embarked on on a journey together. Naked before you, my soul comes forward without fear. I know my torments, my strengths, my weaknesses, my light and my mission. I anticipate your questions, even the ones you won't ask. I don't know everything about you, but I know enough to recognize you. I first met you in dreams and meditations. And today in this past life workshop, in this reality, it is not your face that is familiar to me first, it is the essence of your soul. And I'm gonna stop there, there's more to this poem. But as you hear these words which you wrote and they take you back to first meeting Sam, What else would you like to tell us about this experience of meeting Sam?
2: Uh, This is a a very intimate moment where, I mean, when we met, I had absolutely no idea myself of what could unfold from our encounter. There was just something driving me to listen to him and uh, his voice. I'm very sensitive to the voice vibration and something in me would tell me that that is a voice I could not say I know this voice, but this vibration is familiar somehow to me. This is part to me of the essence of a soul. We may be a man or woman, but there is a vibration that comes from the way of expressing. So uh, not only the mental state, but the not only the emotional state, but the soul state, the soul level, you know, with, uh, used to travel time, space. This vibration to me was enough. And I I feel it right now in my voice because um, it brings me back to this emotion, thinking, oh, this vibration, I'm familiar with it. And it led me to want to learn much more about Sam. First was not about being in love as a sense of man, woman, human beings being in love together. It was, I want to learn about. I know him somehow. I want to learn how is it that he popped up into my life?
1: Yeah, beautiful. Sam, I'm gonna read something you wrote. Okay. The day I met you, I was so taken by your eyes, they were all I could see. Two brilliant rays of light reaching deep into my soul. At the end of that fateful day, I was still dazed by the encounter. That night in my dream, I stood alone on a beach, under a silvery full moon, against a starless night sky. I gazed over the horizon. The ocean's faraway waves surged taller and taller, roaring toward me. I had no fear. Again, there's more to the poem. I stop here. Would you just uh, talk a little bit about that day, the eyes, the experience... (laughs)
0: Oh yes, that pretty much describes the enormous uh, feelings I have, which is totally disproportional to the time we knew each other, which is just a just an hour or two. Uh, I was overwhelmed with my feeling without knowing why, and this is feeling something I never experienced before. I would say I recognize it as a universal. That's a love that kind of branches into the love of a specific relationship, whether it's parent and child, a brother and sister, lovers, the, of a different ship. It's something that I recognized. I was going through a very traumatic period because of my son's suicide. And this particular feeling actually healed me. It's totally unconditional. And I say, it's so beautiful. It just expands my heart. I have no desire to have a romantic relationship at that time. It's amazing. I, I know I got to know her. I want to you know to be a friend with her. That's how it started. But, of course, it eventually materialized as a lover.
1: The book is called Souls and Love. And even in these early poems use the word soul. I'm very curious, and this may be an impossible question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Sophie, Sam, what's your understanding of soul? What does soul mean to you? How do you experience soul?
2: Well, as we speak about the book, Soul is in Love, I mean, certainly every people who meet and who have a love relationship, this is at a soul level. And then maybe what can differentiate one love story to uh, another one. I mean, no one is better than another one. But maybe the consciousness, the awareness we have about the other one, about ourselves, the depth of what we feel, what we want to share, maybe can gradually lead us to uh, what a soul, which is taking all the dimensions of the other one and of oneself. So we're not limited only by the physical desire, neither by the emotional desire. This is also the kind of a spiritual connection, which is not always wanting. Of course, in the love, we want to also have a physical contact. We we want also to have a, a good emotion. And also we want to learn more, not only about the person, but also the inclusion of all the dimensions of a person, the family, maybe the ancestors, So this is no limitation in time space. I mean, we are in the present moment. We love, we enjoy this present moment and we expand. So it is including every aspect of physical, emotional, intellectual and spiritual being.
1: What would you like to add to that, Sam? I would
0: define So, is that part of us is already connected to the vastness of the divinity of which we are part. So we are divine already, that spark is there. So whenever we feel, we're connected to something bigger than ourselves. Whenever we're all by the vastness of the nature, when we look at the star constellation at night, we have that feeling of vastness. That's our soul. That feeling came from our soul. And when we're looking for meaning and purposes, that came from the soul's longing to direct us to find our soul's purpose. So when two people meet at the soul level, there's a vastness that you want to be intimate with your partner at all level. And I would say, for me, I come to learn through my life that the essence of a relationship, a lover's relationship is intimacy at all level. And the soul will direct us to expand the intersection of two vast universes. And when we feel that, we know we're connected at all level.
1: I chuckle because as I'm listening to you both, I feel like you're both answering this difficult question like poets. <laughs> but your <laughs> answers were just really beautiful. I'd like to for a moment just talk about just the process and mechanics of two people who souls in love writing a book together. And this is what I see, but it could be wrong. As I read your beautiful book, it alternates between poems that you wrote, Sophie, and poems that Sam wrote. So my sense was that you decided to write your own poems You each have different writing styles and different voices. You didn't write a poem together, but you created something larger and more cosmic, to use your language, Sam, by writing your individual poems. But did you write them at the same time? Did you sit in the same room or at the same beach as you wrote? Did you go off and write them on your own and then show them to each other? Just describe the process of two souls in love writing a book together.
2: Thank you to ask this question. We made everything you said. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, there was no, we did not put a recipe, you know, saying, okay, we will really do this way with a structure. It really started spontaneously. Somehow we felt we were driven to write together. So, it started to melt, I mean, and to pop up into our thinking a few months ago. And at one point, we uh, decided to make a trip in France, romantic trip, you know, between Paris and south of France, and uh, also with adding a lot of art in it. We knew we wanted to start to write a book and it all started in a train, you know, we had uh, notebooks and we were in a train basically and saying, okay, what do we want to write about? And we started to define very spontaneously that we wanted to speak about love. Uh, not only the romantic love side, but also you know why not uh, speaking about the misunderstanding possible in a love relationship and at all possible levels. So we shared uh, some words, some thinking, and uh, some topics, and uh, we started to write. I think the first poem in a train from uh, my little town uh, and then to Paris. Mm-hmm. One day we would say, okay, today maybe is the day to speak about that topic. And we would take the time and then to read to each other what we wrote at the end of the time. Yeah. What do you like to add?
0: Sophie was the first one to recognize me as a poet. That's the connection. I recognized that. And then I very soon, well, maybe after six months, I realized she also wrote beautiful poems. I say, wow, okay, this connection may be why we are together. And I feel strongly that we should write poetry together. And what will be the natural topic for the poetry is, we were in love, we, we, we just became lovers. The feeling is tremendous. It's like a honeymoon on our trips, the best and, and it continues to extend. Still going on today, I don't know what have you. And uh, we also decide that we want complete separate voices. We don't. We sometimes talk about topic and share a little bit about what we think about it, and then we go off. But we go off to write it on our own, based on our experiences. But we can write together in a cafe. Sometimes we go to you know, the cafes, the, on our trips, we're just sitting next to other. She writes hers and I write mine. And so we feel we have so much emotional feelings of love. That's really the fuel for the poem. It's really leverage that feeling to write this book.
1: What I would like to add to that, however, as a fellow writer who's written a bunch of books, you both write about your experience of love. But if you two were horrible writers, these would be horrible poems and nobody would want to read them. But you are highly skilled poets, which is with very distinct voices. This is one of the things I just love about your book. That you're not trying to have one voice. So the uniqueness of the voices and the difference in which we write, you write, which feels very, I hate to use the word, but very authentic to who you are. It's an overused word, but that's what I felt was especially moving to me. Now I want to build on what you just asked, because I, I not many people get to have a, a love partner and you write poetry to each other as your relationship evolves. What was it like to have your partner read a poem to you that she or he had just written and to receive the words, like describe (laughs) that experience to us?
2: Oh, wow. Each time Sam would read a new poem, I would close my eyes and tend to feel what he says, to feel, so the emotions, so the vibration. So it's a kind of ritual. It became a kind of ritual. Sometimes we will not be together. We would be on um, two sides of the globe. <laughs> Some would be in California, would be in France, and we would read a new poem we just wrote. And so it's a ritual. It's a kind of, uh, it's like a fest. You know, <laughs> we will sit comfortably and one would say, now close your eyes and we will <laughs> eat. So this is really, it's part of a fest. It's part of a celebration. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: I would say it's just like ascension, upward. When we hear the lovers' poems, it's like all the chakra, you know, the heart and the mind, everything uh, expands. It's, we feel very blessed that, that we, you know, happen to fall in love with another poet who can who can express so deliciously about the feelings. It's, the, it's really connected us deeper and deeper and deeper beyond what I can
1: describe. A word from your sponsor, that's me. I invite you to go to the website associated with this podcast, www.myfourthact.com. You will find other equally inspiring conversation with great humans, and you will also learn more about the My Fourth Act Mastermind Groups, where cool people figure out how to chart their own fourth acts. Please check it out. And now back to the conversation. Part of what I really adore about your book is has different sections, and different sections have different thematic titles. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just mention three of the sections right now. Not read the poems, but I want to invite you just reflect on on the titles themselves and what they mean for you. And I'm going to start with one that's later in the book. It's called "Love and Healing," and what really touched me. I'm a mature person, and what I What really resonates with me in your book is you are two people who have experienced love before. You've been hurt before. Life hasn't always been rosy or easy. And we bring all of that to a new connection with another soul. And I felt like in love and healing, you really address the past that you bring into this love connection. You mentioned earlier, Sam, that there was some healing involved. I'd love to hear from both of you, like what's the healing part in this? And also what is what is maybe sometimes not easy when you encounter the person's past?
0: Love is the most powerful healing way. So when two people are in love, and I'm talking about love that is close to, to the more unconditional, to the higher aspiration of love. It heals everything, and you can extend the healing to the past. So I would say, when I after I met Sophie before we became lovers, which is three years later, the feeling of that love is already healing my trauma of my son's suicide. I played a very important role. So the most important thing about healing is to be to be in love again. And then when, when a couple, when they have issues, they have conflict, and uh, they may have some residuals you know, in their relationship accumulate. If they do not fully express it, it, it stay there. But with love, especially with the physical intimacy, the flame can pretty burn the residual of and you can start fresh again. That's how a honeymoon can be extended. You, you just need to continue to clear. Anything that you know still resign you. And then and then you'll know your love making will be just clear. There's no clouds in the sky. It's like the blue sky, you just uh, will bring you, lift you up you know, to elevations I've never feel before.
1: When you said the honeymoon can be extended, I immediately thought, oh, that could be a workshop you two can teach. The honeymoon can be extended. <laughs> Having some friends, yes,
0: yeah, things,
1: I definitely very attractive. <laughs> Sophie, love and healing—what does that mean for you?
2: Well, this is the gift of love. I mean, we may not intend to heal or to be healed by the other one, but this is the natural gift of love: is that we have this chance to be, you know, naked in front of a, another soul, another human being. And, uh, when we feel love, we feel acceptance. Uh, this is also a big word. So we accept each other. So we accept to be see, to see and to be seen as we are. We don't need to wear a mask. We don't need to have a, a makeup. <laughs> I would say something like that. So we are not perfect. I mean, if we were perfect, we'd probably be in another dimension. So we are here to continue to learn to grow. And so that's the gift. We have our past. We have our own ones, some on the way to be healed. And when we are here, the other one, we can continue to learn how to be crystal clear, uh, learn how to not transfer on the other one and not let the other one transfer on us the past, past relationships, past, you know, misunderstandings. It does require patience, acceptance, of course, love. So I feel that the healing is the gift of love. It's not what we search in love. This is the result of love.
1: Yeah. What you just said makes me think of one of my favorite words that you both play with in the book is the word garden. And you have a section called love garden. And garden has... For me, very personal connotations, entering the garden, going back to the garden. It has so many meanings, but but since you two connected to love, what's the connection of love and garden and the meaning of the word garden and all of that for you?
0: Garden is used to symbolize inner subjective world uh, that's created by two people, and they develop specific language, they develop the way they interact with each other. It contains the feelings for each other, the embrace, the acceptance, and everything they experience together, whether positive or negative, it's continued to shape this garden. And I would say the main thing about this garden is the different kind of intimacy. You know, I use a thousand uh, flavor of intimacy which to me is the core of uh, of uh, romantic love so it's up to the couples to say we want to keep this garden beautiful this garden is totally in our inner world and how well we're able to stand the challenge the outside world which sometimes cause conflict and disagreement in us the degree we can resolve what uh, the challenge from the outside depends on how strong, how beautiful this garden is. So it's our job you know, to make sure that this is a beautiful garden when it's uh, from the inside, they will be reflected in all our interactions, which will be filled with uh, love and uh, intimacy. And so this garden to us is what we need to protect. And that's the secret of extended honeymoon, is keep the garden. <laughs>
1: Sophie, meditate on the word garden for us, please.
2: Yeah, so garden, we all have an inner garden. Simon his first book, has a beautiful poem about the inner garden. And so I feel when we meet someone, we have a chance to to travel the garden of the other one, which is already amazing time, is to... Learn how about the other one. How he or she build, you know, the beliefs. The how he shapes his life or her life, and so then we combine our garden together, and we create rituals uh, to uh, enhance our lifetime together. And this is so the combination. so very still a, in a garden, we want to be happy to be with ourselves by our own. And we also travel together the same time space and we can make it beautiful. And when it's not beautiful, sometimes it can happen. You know, the sky is not always blue without clouds. So how we can maintain it? Um, how can sometimes plant new seeds? So for us, poetry is part of creating a new space in the garden. Each poem can be a new flower, uh, and uh, each book can be a new tree. Why not? So um, how we find things together to uh, continue to create, co-create, also is part of the garden.
1: Asked both of you in advance to think of a poem from your book that that you would like to read a little bit from on this podcast. And I'll let you know that I'd love for you to read a little bit of the poem and also then talk a little bit about why you chose that poem and what special meaning that poem has for you. So the floor is open. It doesn't matter who starts. I chose
2: one poem, one of my shortest one. So it's funny because sometimes you would laugh with some, you know, I can take uh, uh, 20 uh, lines that he may combine in two lines. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, but I chose a short one, and I think it does also talk about this idea of to create. Mm -hmm. So this is a poem named Love and Religion. The loving nature of a romantic relationship has the power to elevate the human spirit towards the divine. Within a soul seeded with particles of every possibility, the pure matter of love assembles and intensifies until the birth of unity. My love, I welcome your religion with no doubt or concern because I know we both answer to the same divine laws, love, respect, and creation.
1: Mm, exquisite and I feel like there's there's no reason to explain it because it says it all I I think there's nothing else that you need to add to it I fully feel like I got it and I received it so thank you thank you Monsieur Sam, what would you like to read to us? so
0: it's from the inner garden your garden blossoms in a thousand fragrances of intimacy that is the essence and purpose of love and the surest to ecstasy. The seeds DNA come from the melding of both your essences. As you flourish and grow into better versions of yourself, so will your garden grow into a more aromatic mm-hmm. versions of itself. Its soil is not tilted from shallow promises, but a deep commitment to one another is water flow from heart's mellow tenderness, pure loving presence, deep sharing and vulnerability with one another. Intimacy and passion reinforce each other in an endless circuitry.
1: So one word stood out for me from this poem, and it's a word that hasn't come up so far in our conversation, because you talked a lot about intimacy before, Sam but I, were, I heard the word ecstasy for the first time. So as we complete, would both of you maybe contemplate on what ecstasy means to you and how you might experience it?
0: Because and ecstasy is the joy of union, a deep union and deep union is derived from intimacy at all level i would say when i am in ecstasy when i would with sophie i often was in a semi-altered state Mm -hmm. so it's really an uplifting of the spirit to a level that normally not experienced when i'm alone so i can distinguish that feeling which i I never had in my previous relationship.
1: Sophie?
2: Well, what to add? <laughs> 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 yeah. Ecstasy so far, it also leads me to this word, harmony. It is also this feeling that everything is in the right place at the right time for the right reason. So ecstasy for me is also feeling in harmony with everything, everybody. So it's not a lifetime of ecstasy. There are pure moments of grace. And these moments are so precious that we just want to taste them, to feel them, to love them, to cherish them. So yes, ecstasy at these moments of, uh, of pure grace.
0: I would add ecstasy also. I know I'm ecstasy when I feel I can love everyone, everything in the world. I know I'm feeling the taste of divinity. And that's the power of a lover who can be connected at all levels.
1: I want to close with a question that I tend to ask in all my podcasts. I'm putting myself in your shoes and I don't know how I would answer it but is as you look to the future both individually and as two people traveling together are there hopes are there aspirations are there longings are there things that you would love to explore that have not occurred yet part part of spiritual Teaching is to be in the moment and not have any of this, but many of us humans also sometimes have a future orientation. I don't know how you answer that as to in Souls and Love, it's your book and it's your story. How do you handle thoughts of the future, wishes, desires? Yes, as you said, I feel already so much
2: blessed by the present time. So I'm so happy about it. I know we like to continue to write poetry together on different topics. And also because of this love leads us to have some kind of metaphysical experiences. To me, it's very obvious sometimes I have transcendental moments, not during the intimacy, but also doing some kind of meditation. So while we continue our rituals, I intend to continue to keep these blessings moving forward. And to also to garden well, our garden, and to continue to uh, seek for more harmony for me and for my people, extending the circle of harmony. So this is kind of global things, but to me, it does mean a little step every day is a little step around it.
0: Yeah, Uh, two months ago, it suddenly came to me. It's revealed to me by my soul. You know, it's very strong signal that. We are going to write the next book, a poetry on trauma and healing. In our life experiences, like my son's suicide, that got me to study a lot about, you know, the suffering in the human world. So that's our project, and uh, we hope to have another book on trauma and healing. Maybe souls in healing. <laughs> and uh, we're very excited about it. We are totally driven to write another book, which hopefully will help other people. And after that, I think the cycle will continue. And that's why it's important for us to continue to grow. So we have experiences and insight to share with the world.
1: Thank you, both of you, for the gift of this conversation. Where would you like to direct? Folks who want to know more about your book, where they can find it? Do you have a website? This is the time for you to let our listeners know.
0: Souls in Love uh, can be found on Amazon.com in all versions, hard copy, soft copy, you know, Kindle, and it will be in uh, audio form as well. Uh, my website is uh, Sam Yao Poetry, and I'm also on social media, Sam Yao Poetry. You can find me in Instagram and uh, Facebook.
1: Sophie?
2: Yes, the book will still be in audio, as you said, Sam. Yeah. And uh, so I share uh, some uh, pieces of poetry uh, on social media with uh, this uh, name, which is Travel Me Like Poetry. Mm-hmm. One day, you know, I said, OK, I'd like to travel, you know, life like a poetry and I've said, uh, okay, let's travel each other. And I felt that will become, you know, my motto in life is uh, why not uh, trying to uh, travel life like a poetry, poetry is everywhere.
1: On that note, poetry is everywhere for all of us to be continued, but for now, just really thank you for this conversation and uh, continue to be well and enjoy life. Au au revoir.
2: Au revoir, Have <laughs> a... belle journée, Akim.
1: Merci, <laughs> tu aussi. <laughs> All right. Cheers.
2: Okay. Thank you so Thank much. You.
1: Like what you heard? Please go to myfourthact.com and subscribe to receive my updates on upcoming episodes. Please also subscribe to us on the platform of your choice, rate us, give us a review. And let us all create some magical fourth acts together. Ciao.